Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke chapter 17, and we've come to verses 22 through 37, identifying the last time. We studied already how the preceding verses, in the preceding verses, our Lord Jesus told us that there was a spiritual kingdom. The Pharisees were questioning him about what was to happen, and Christ said the kingdom just now is not coming by signs. And he says to them, the kingdom is within you. It's in your midst, and it's to be taken both ways. Jesus is standing there in their midst, the king of the kingdom, and the kingdom first comes within. Did you know there are no unsaved folks who are going to enter into the kingdom. And so our Lord Christ is continuing to make the preparation. He explained to them and thus explains to us, there are really two parts, two aspects to this kingdom. The first is it's a spiritual kingdom. It's personal kingdom. It's personal to you and, and to me. We're citizens of a kingdom, but only because of personal salvation. What Christ has done for us. Then secondly, it makes its way into and culminates in a, a, a physical or a universal kingdom. Christ is explaining that here and explains it even further in Luke 21. But today we're in Luke 17. Christ continues to teach the spiritual aspect of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is entered into one soul at a time. It isn't a thing that belongs to a particular race or nation. It isn't a thing that belongs to just one sudden aspect of time. It is the working of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bringing into the fold all whom God would bring and then finally take us into the kingdom which will then lead us into the eternal kingdom. This is where Christ is going. So he continues in verses 22 through 37 by explaining the spiritual, the advancement of the spiritual kingdom. So that's where we are now. Identifying the last time. Christ is now saying to his disciples, it's not coming like the Pharisees have always thought. It's not coming the way that somehow people have, have been misguided into misunderstanding uh, or cherry picking certain parts of Old Testament prophecies. It isn't like that. You see, the Pharisees in particular, the Jews in general, at that moment were expecting a, a sudden appearance of Messiah to come in on a great horse and bring, a, bring a, an angelic army with him and gather up the people of Israel and they would be invincible and then they would march against Rome and there in that day would establish the kingdom. Well, three years have passed in the ministry of Christ and they're beginning to say, you know, this guy is not doing what we thought he was supposed to do. He's... He's being too humble. He's being too kind. He's not killing all the Romans. He's not setting up a throne and sitting on it. 
Jesus now teaches that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is built one soul at a time. First comes the spiritual kingdom, and then comes the universal kingdom. So identifying the last time. Let's look at it together. First, in this spiritual kingdom, we're watching. Look at this. Beginning in verse 22. Then he said to the disciples, okay, now he turns from the Pharisees to the disciples. This is something that so you and I are disciples of Christ. This is for us. It's like we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. He is correcting those who are in error regarding the kingdom. And now he edifies the real believer. So he turns to the disciples and he says, days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the son of man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go forth or follow for as the lightning flashing shines from the one end of the sky to the other end, thus will be the Son of Man in his day. First, however, it behooves him to suffer many things and to be rejected by this race or this generation, this geneas, uh, this race, this generation. All right, let's break this down. The disciples, days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Here's the advancement of the spiritual kingdom and then the close of it. It's a series of events. Unlike what the Pharisees were expecting, just one big bang at the end of everything, Christ is saying there are days. You can see in the Greek, it's in the plural. And he says to the disciples and he says to you and me, you're going to desire to see one of the days. Now, the day that we look for is the day of the rapture of the church, the resurrection of the just, and the church is gathered to Christ before the seven years of tribulation fall upon the earth dwellers. Here we are today. Listen, we li I don't know about you, but I'm weary of this world. Sometimes I have anxiety. Lord, this would be a good day for you to come. You know, I, I've been around the block a few times and it seems to have gotten spiritually exponentially worse just in the last few years. Unthinkable things portrayed in culture as normal, as righteous. The Bible calls them evil, abnormal, aberrant, wicked. And if you try to correct the world, you even face jail time. I read in the news where there is a, a law that has passed a committee in Congress in the House of Representatives. If you read the letter of the law, it's some kind of law about equality and, and all this kind of thing. That if you 
Just teach what the Bible says about sin and salvation. If you just teach it, you can be guilty of that law, breaking the law. You can be imprisoned. And so there's an outcry among Christian leaders that this is an attempt to silence the biblical teaching of the church. It's the day in which we live. So, I'm desiring to see one of those days, and it is the day of translation. It is the day of seizing away. It is the day of translation and catching away, rapture. It can't be long. It can't be far away. The whole world is immersed in an evil culture. And Christians are being slaughtered in the world for being Christians and nobody seems to care or object or, or say anything about it. Days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you won't see it. You'll be so anxious that there'll be false prophets and false teachers coming along and they'll say, oh, it's over here or oh, it's over there. Don't follow that stuff, he says. 1988, I was pastor of a church. I got a free book in the mail. 88 reasons why Jesus will return in 1988. 88 reasons. <laughs> what tell you? Oh, man. As far back as I can think, there have been people who have been declaring that this little pocket here, this is the kingdom. This little group here, this is the kingdom. These signs here are signs and it's going to happen now and you're going to have to come and buy my book and do what I do. Jesus said, this is going to happen. People are going to teach you falsely. But the truth is this. The second coming of Christ is so profound that the world won't misunderstand. He will be seen, his power and glory will be seen by everybody in the world when he comes in his second coming in power and glory. <coughs> you see the lightning, it flashes and you see, every, you see it everywhere. So there won't be any mistaking. You won't have to go to one little group or another and you won't have to be thinking of this or thinking of that. <coughs> Excuse me. You'll know when it comes. But he says, let me tell you this. It is incumbent upon me to suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, this race. You see that word up there? The Greek word. It means a continuing, it means a continuing birthing in the way that it's given of a particular race of people, this generation. This the, this the generation. It's very, very uh, detailed in the language. So here's what Christ is saying. I'm going to be rejected by Israel. I'm their Messiah. I've come to my own and my own will not receive me. 
I'm going to continue to be rejected and thus the kingdom will not come as long as the nation of Israel is in rejection and unbelief. As long as Israel is in unbelief, the kingdom will not come and be gloriously planted on planet earth. You won't see it. As long as there are unbelieving Israelites in the world, you will not see the kingdom. And I'm going to have to suffer many things. I, I, I would submit to you that the blasphemy in the world today is a form of suffering. Many things, not just the cross, but the blasphemy that continues even to this day. And the rejection by a particular people, this generation, this race. Well, who was, who was surrounding him and who were the leaders there standing closest to him? Well, of course, it was the nation of Israel. So they would continue to reject him. You see, the Pharisees had overlooked, for example, Psalm 22, and they'd overlooked Isaiah um, 51 through 53. They overlooked a lot of, they overlooked Zechariah, the suffering Messiah, and the horrific, the, the, the horrific attempts to annihilate Israel as a people at the close of the age, at the end of the tribulation. They, they, they overlooked that. They, they just went to the, the, the part of his second coming. They wanted to bypass all the painful stuff. And they would, of course, refuse to acknowledge themselves as sinners in need of a Savior. Because according to them, they were perfect. They obeyed the law. Which, of course, they did not. Christ then would say, suffer many things, continue to be rejected. But here's the beautiful message of the Bible. We advance through this spiritual kingdom. It is one by one sold at a time. The church is completed in its completion. The times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. The church is caught away in rapture and resurrection. The world plunges into tribulation. The revelation of the 70th, Shabbat, the 70th seven-year period, according to Daniel. Now, he uses, he uses the term son of man. That is, the Jews would have understood that. That was used by Daniel to reference the Messiah, especially when he comes to establish his dominion. So he uses this direct reference for them to know that he is the one who, of whom Daniel spoke. And then, according to the Bible, tribulation falls on the world. You have tribulation saints, but mostly you have the nation of Israel who are saved and then the tribulation comes, comes to an end. All Israel be saved. Those in that day. And then comes a judgment, you see. There comes a judgment of nations, Matthew 25. We'll talk about that in just a second. So you and I understand that the kingdom is entered into one soul at a time. When the end comes... And the kingdom is established only saved folks, only the church, the bride of Christ, only the resurrected saints and those who are alive who enter into the kingdom in their physical lives. Only those people will enter into the kingdom. No law, no unsaved folks. No Canaanites entered into the ark. Just 
Noah and his generation, Noah and his people. Noah was perfect or unblemished in his generation. It means that he didn't mix with the world. So, many things suffered. And then rejection by this race. So, so what? We watch. We watch. We think about it. We're pensive. We're considered of what the scripture says. Everything in the Old Testament about Christ's first coming was, was fulfilled. The Bible is, the Bible is absolutely true. It means, it says exactly what it means. Only a fool would deny the truth of scripture. So then, we understand the wisdom that is to be applied as the spiritual kingdom makes its way through time. Look at this. As it happened in the days of Noah, thus it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage until that day. Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed everybody. Likewise, as it happened in the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. Then in that day, Lot from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed all. So, Lot was out from Sodom and it rained fire and brimstone on everybody else. Let me just put those two together quickly. Surely we all have an understanding of the days of Noah, the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me just sum it up like this. Those were days when on the, on the earth, evil was rampant. Wickedness was unchecked. God and his word were in total disregard. Enoch, according to Jude, was a pre-flood world preacher, preaching of judgment. Did it make any difference? Only Noah and his family were saved. Everybody else was killed by the judgment of the flood. And then there's Lot, the extraordinarily wicked cities, which today don't seem so extraordinarily wicked according to the culture of the day. You put the two together, it was a culture of, of, of demonism. It was a culture of demon possession and demon deception. It was a, a culture of God rejection and Christ rejection and Bible rejection. In a day of preacher rejection and teaching rejection, it was a day whereby the culture was completely inundated with, with sexually aberrant behavior. And people were violent and murderous and perverse in every kind of way. But according to these verses, Folks were indifferent to it. They just kept living on like it's nothing happened. All these horrible things in the eyes of God were happening all around them. Folks were just apathetic, kept moving on, kept doing the stuff that they always had done, totally indifferent to the lateness of the hour and the absolute truth that judgment was sure to come. Total disregard for the things of heaven. 
and then immediate judgment fell and deliverance, the judgment was tempered with the deliverance of God's people, Noah and his family, Lot and his daughters. The grace of God was there, but the judgment of God fell everywhere except on his own people. And it came swiftly. So there's wisdom in that. The spiritual kingdom advances, but understand that there is a day coming when the world will be immersed in wickedness and iniquity and anti-God culture that will shake the world to its foundations. Finally, the warning. It will be according to these in that day, the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, the one who will be on the housetop and his goods in the house, let him not come down to take them away. Likewise, the one in the field, don't let him return to the things he left behind. Remember the wife of Lot. If whoever may seek to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So we advance ourselves now to the close of the age of the tribulation. We're speaking now of tribulation saints. Here's what he says. In dark times, in spiritually dark times, where the culture of the world has collapsed into evil, and it runs rampant and unchecked. In those times, do not give yourself to any attention of the things of the world. Don't think that you can deliver yourself. Don't think that you have any other deliverance other than the, the deliverance that Jesus gives to you. It's that way today. This world is becoming so dark in wickedness that we have to have Christ and the Spirit of Christ flowing through us. All of our organizations and, and ruminations and cogitations and, and all of the things that we can come up with, none of those things all put together, no man-made formula can deliver anybody from what's coming to the world. That's what he says. Don't try to depend on the stuff that you own. Don't try to depend upon other people. Leave it all behind and be ready to die. Stand in the face of wicked people and declare who you are and just be ready to die. Because if you try to make excuses and run from it, you will die. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. You can't do anything. Only the power of Christ can deliver us from what is about to happen in the world. That's what he's teaching his disciples. <coughs> Remember the wife of Lot. Her heart, her stuff, her life were still in Sodom. The warning was don't look back, but she did. She turned into a pillar of salt. You know the story. So here's the great warning now. <coughs> I say to you, in that night, there will be two upon one bed, one taken, the other left. Two women grinding at the same place, the one taken, the other left. Now, verse 36 is not in the early texts of Luke. 
What he says in verse 36 is actually in Matthew. So it's there. But you know my rule. I only go by the earliest text of the Greek manuscript. So the last verse. And answering, they said to him, where, Lord? He said to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. The word vultures, a toy, some, some translated as eagles, but it means a bird of prey. A bird of prey. To eat, to, to carry on the carcasses of dead things. So here's, here's, here's the finality of the whole thing. This is Matthew 25. This is Matthew 25, okay? The tribulation comes to an end. The Antichrist gathers his forces. There is Armageddon. They think to defy the returning Christ, of course, and to take over physically the land of Abraham's descendants. And of course it fails miserably. Christ comes in power and glory. Now when those armies are destroyed, there are still people all over the world. You remember those about whom Christ said, You've done it to the least of these, my brothers. You did it to me. Enter into the kingdom. And they said, when, when did we feed you? When did we visit you in prison? You did it for my people in the tribulation. You took care of them. I'm going to take care of you. He divides sheep and goats. And he says to the sheep, come into the kingdom prepared for you by my father. So they enter physically into the kingdom. The saints of God have been resurrected. They have spiritual glorified bodies and they have special, a special work to do in those thousand years. And he says, when I come, the war is won at Armageddon. What about all the unbelievers that are still left? The ones who are taken are taken in judgment. This is not anything about the rapture. This is about judgment. I don't know. Angels, glorified saints. We all come back with Christ on horses. We'll know. They'll know. Unbelievers are dragged out and they're killed. You understand that? They're killed. The Bible says that when he rides his horse the bottom of his robe is splashed with blood. He dips his vesture in blood. He splashes on the blood of his slain enemies. They're killed. Their bodies are thrown out. And the birds of prey, the birds of carrion, the birds to eat their carcasses come from everywhere. And so here's the question. One taken, the other left. Well, where are they going to be taken? Just look for a pile of dead bodies and you'll know where they are. Their souls in hell, their bodies eaten by birds, then the kingdom is established. The physical kingdom, only the saints go into that kingdom. This is the advancement of the spiritual kingdom. Then the thousand years, then those who are born into that kingdom with the devil being chained for those thousand years, let loose for a little season. At the end of it, a, a brief rebellion. And the rebels are slain. The universe is destroyed and the great white throne is established. Death and hell will give up the dead that are in them. And this is the second resurrection. 
the resurrection unto damnation, the books are opened. The book is open, the book of life. They're not found there. They're all gathered then finally and cast into the lake of fire and there's a new heaven and a new earth. So the, you know, the universal kingdom, the Father, 1 Corinthians 15, the son gives the kingdom up to the father and the universal kingdom becomes the eternal kingdom. A new heaven and a new earth. But for you and me, listen, you don't get into that kingdom but by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You come to Christ, the King, the Savior, and He'll save you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. The Bible, to summarize, admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, and by confessing sin, call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just a moment, we'll stand. In the act of standing, I plead with you to come to Christ. And if you would do that today, would you just come and take me by the hand? Let me pray with you. Maybe you're here, you're already a believer. God leads you to come and be a part of this congregation. You come as well. We'll take care of all of the details of church membership if that's what God wants in your life. Father God in heaven, bless this time as only you can. Use it for your glory, and we'll accept it, whatever it is, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, okay? You come.